This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. And welcome back to Jumping Bob Audio, a podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor. What's up, Taylor? Hi, how's it going? I'm coming to you half vaccinated now. I got my first COVID vaccine on Thursday, so very excited for that. I hope all of our listeners, if you are able to, are also getting the vaccine, but happy to take another step towards... uh, maybe a little bit more of a normal world and maybe some Joshi shows that have full loud audiences in them. Yes, please. Uh, I am fully vaccinated and I've struggled a lot with like, well, what can I or should I do now? And I really kind of just still do the same things that I I did before. Uh, But a lot of people have given me crap about it of like, dude, you can go out to like eat or whatever, but I don't know. I still feel weird about going to restaurants. (laughs) I have a feeling that when, after I get my second one, that I probably will be the same as you are until my job. Um, I'm working from home now and I'm assuming there will be some point where my job says, Hey, time to start coming back into the office. And I'm assuming at that point, that's when I'll sort of start getting into it because I'll have a regular schedule where I'm going outside. You know, sometimes you're like in your house and I live by myself. So I'm not often sitting around going, oh, maybe I should go by myself out to eat. You know, that's not really a, you know, thing I do normally anyway, just go out to eat by myself. Um, So yeah, I'm assuming I'll be like you and my schedule will stay relatively the same. for at least a little while longer. Yeah, I'm just starting to get uh, you know, a little itchy about wanting to wanting to do some stuff, but um hopefully, I mean it seems like it's speeding up and people getting vaccinated, so hopefully that will continue and I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine whether things are ever going to be normal again, but maybe, maybe they will be. Yes, I have. This is a uh, a bit of a crossover here, but I do have uh tickets for AEW Dynamite. On September 15th in New Jersey, um, it's been rescheduled a number of times. But that feels sort of like, hey, maybe by that point, uh, you know, the middle of September, we still have a number of months till then. Maybe that'll be the normal point and that will be my first wrestling show in, oh gosh, uh, two years probably at that point. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of a, a goalpost that I have now for, you know, quote unquote, normal activity. Yeah, I've been hoping to be able, if they end up doing it, to do Double or Nothing in Chicago on Labor Day weekend. Uh, but just, I don't know, that's like a big event. Uh, and I have friends that live in Chicago and it's like, oh, maybe we would all go and we could see our, our friends and such. Uh, but now I think, you know, my friend Aaron Taub is 
going to Jacksonville for um, what's what's or no, maybe that's double or nothing. And the one in September is all out, I guess. It's like, I don't know. Do I want to go to Jacksonville? Not really, but I, it would be fun to see my my vaccinated friends. So hard to say what I'm going to do. I'm definitely going to some music festivals in September. I just want everybody to know I'm doing that. So hopefully it's safe. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, we're on Twitter at Audio. I tweeted from the account, which is not common, but I was wanting everybody to watch the Tokyo Joshi Pro Show that we're going to talk about later. So I uh, sent out some tweets about that. Um, I'm at Aaron Like the Car if you want to find all my other tweets. And Taylor's at Tay Mambo, uh, from which he does not tweet that often. He tweets from Bomb Audio more often than Tay Mambo. That is 100% true. <laughs> yeah, not a big not a big poster, Taylor. I like to consume I like to consume content rather. Well, I'm creating content right now, so I guess you are. that's not entirely true. But in the tw- in the world of Twitter, I I am a con- Twitter consumer rather than a Twitter creator. Were you ever like a, a message board user? I was a message board user many years ago when Sort of when I was in high school, I was part of the um, wrestle crap forums, um, which was really how in my sort of high school uh, days when I was into wrestling, that's how I got most of my wrestling information. I didn't know many people in my day-to-day life that um, liked wrestling or enjoyed wrestling. And that was at the point where we didn't have the sort of technology we do now with Twitter didn't exist or things like slacks or, you know, discords and where you can just sort of find people that also like wrestling. So that was sort of my one station, um, to get the news, learn about wrestling and things like that. So I was a, I was a forum user, although not a huge poster on the forums either. All right. So it's just your MO. Yeah. I think like, you know, when AOL would like send out the disks and stuff, you know, you would get on uh, AOL on your computer. I think the first time I ever did, like the first thing I did was find a wrestling chat room. Yeah. I must've done like AOL keyword WWF or something. (laughs) And uh, there I was talking to people about wrestling. And then from there, it was like, uh, I had to find the scoops, you know, had to go to the news sites, Uh, Raja, you know, that kind of stuff in those days. We used to get a lot of those AOL discs. I don't know that we ever could you use multiple of them? I thought the whole thing was you could only use one and that was like your free trial and then you had to sign up. Uh, I have no idea. Um I don't know, but I definitely used at least one of them. And then we had, we pretty early uh, had the internet at my house um compared to like my friends and stuff. So, yeah, I was a, a pretty early internet user. And I did nothing good with it. It's only made my life worse since it started. And still haven't to this day. That's right. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. If you search Jumping Bomb Audio on whatever podcast app you use, whatever you're listening uh, to this on right now, uh, hit subscribe. You'll get these as soon as they come out, which is generally every other Monday. I think we've hit Tuesdays a couple of times, but it's almost always every other Monday. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app to consume Uh, our podcast, or even if you don't, if you just have access to the Apple Podcast app, go give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, And if you'd like to donate to the show, just to send us a few bucks uh, as a little thank you, you can go to redcircle.com slash shows 
slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. Uh, the main things we're going to talk about today are the Tokyo Joshi Pro still incomplete from uh, 417 and the Stardom Cinderella Tournament. And I know we'll talk about more stuff, but that's the, the primary focus of the show today. And let's kick it off with that Tokyo Joshi Pro show. Uh, as the my wife was sitting with me as the show was starting, and she was like, why does it keep saying still incomplete on the graphics? Like, oh, that's that's the name, the very strange name of the show. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, here it is. And it's different than most Tokyo Joshi shows, or at least um, a few years ago, the running joke that they were like full run on sentences that were like, hey, have you ever been to Shinjuku face? It's a it's a fun place to go and see a wrestling show. <laughs> and that would be the name of the Tokyo Joshi show. Uh, yeah, so they've at least shortened it. Uh, it's just I'm not quite sure what it means, but that's okay. Uh, let's start with your your overall thoughts, Taylor, on this show from Corican Hall. I thought it was a good show. I don't think it was, you know, comparing it to the other Corkins from this year. I don't know that it was the strongest um, in ring wise, but I enjoyed it. I. You know, Tokyo Joshi has done really well at really keeping their shows moving. Nothing really felt like it overstayed its welcome. Nothing felt too long. I never watched the show and was like, oh, this is dragging or like, oh, my God, how many more matches do we have? So, you know, I enjoyed it. And there were matches I really enjoyed on the show. So overall, I think it was a strong show. Um, some some sort of newsworthy items or on the show as well. So overall, uh, gets a positive uh, thumbs up for me. Yeah, I basically agree. It didn't blow me away, certainly. But it's kind of like what we talked about, I think last time we talked about the Big Tokyo Joshi Pro Show, which is they've really done a good job of lengthening their cards or like spreading out the talent more along the whole card. So there's not as much... Um, there's less weak stuff on these shows. Like almost everything has a baseline of being pretty good. Um, now you're not going to get your, your mileage may vary on like these six woman tags that are always like the second match on the show or, or the openers. Although for me, there's a lot of cool stuff in the opener, uh, to focus on, but you got a lot of, you know, basically starting from the, uh, Miyu Yamashita versus Sakari Noah match to the end, there's like, a pretty good baseline level of quality in the matches. Uh, but there wasn't there wasn't a real blow away uh, match for me on the show. But I enjoyed the show immensely. Had a good time. Easy watch, even though it was getting pretty late and I'm old. Uh, but it was still enjoyable. So I pretty much I think I agree with you, Taylor. Yeah, it didn't quite have, I know of the last Corican. The last Corican to me was so, there was nothing blow away on that last Corican either. But it had such good consistency, especially sort of in the second half of the show, that I don't think that this one quite met. There were some matches where I was um, not so hot on them as compared to, you know, the last show where I was like, oh, yeah, three and three quarters, three and three quarters. You know, I was like, wow, all these matches are really solid. It wasn't quite there yet. And I think you can sort of look at this card and we've talked a lot about how Tokyo Joshi is having such a great, you know, last few months, last six months, however many months it is. 
but and this still was very good as i said i liked it but you can still see that there's a little bit more to go in terms of the in-ring stuff where there's still a little bit you know they haven't filled in all the gaps they've gotten much better um compared to a year or longer ago but there's still you know here and there some things that you might say okay they're doing well but there's still room for improvement and before the show there's of course there's been I think this, you know, this information was out there. They were already talking about it on Twitter leading up to the show. Uh, but Yuki Arai, who is uh, an idol from SKE48, uh, they announced she's going to be debuting on the May 4th show. My understanding is she's still going to be in her idol group, right? Um, I believe so. Um, and I think that she's had some involvement in um, wrestling in the past, not heavy involvement, but she's done some wrestling um, related projects. So she's not totally foreign to the world. I don't know what the, especially with the uh, COVID stuff going on, I don't know what the SKE 48 schedule is like. So I don't know if it's very easy for her just to, you know, pop into Tokyo Joshi every once in a while or not, but uh, we'll see. It's exciting, you know, always exciting to get a new, you know, debut, someone new. And I think that Tokyo Joshi now has figured it out, whereas a year ago they were debuting, you know, it was like someone every month and it almost felt overwhelming. It feels like we've gotten, you know, Risa Endo in, we've sort of established her and now we're bringing someone new. So it feels better paced from a sort of debut perspective that we've gotten the person in, we know who they are. Now we can get a new person. Will also be interesting because I think Endo has really set a new level for uh, debuts in Tokyo Joshi Pro. So I'm interested to see what Yuki Ri's uh, level is when she debuts. Yeah, and debuting on now uh, another Korokin show, which is you know a big, it's a big deal. It's you know they're bigger shows at least you know, for the next couple months, those Tokyo, I mean, the Cork and Hall shows are, th- are their big shows. So a big stage to debut on. And that show is also going to have English commentary, I believe. So yes, you are correct. Yeah. So that'll be exciting. Uh, they also talked about their Tokyo princess cup. Uh, so it's going to be four. Well, the first two rounds are going to be in four shows, all at Shinkiba first ring. So they will be at Shinkiba first ring, uh, four nights in a row, July 22nd through July 25. Uh, the quarterfinals will happen at Shinjuku Face on July 31. And then the finals will occur at Korokan Hall on August 15. So really stretching out the uh, Tokyo Princess Cup. Yeah, and I don't remember, Aaron, do you remember what the scheduling was of the... Didn't they do a ton of shows in a row for the Princess Cup last year? Or am <sighs> I... It totally left my head. But it feels like... Maybe they did just do four shows in a row last year. I feel like they all happened pretty close together, honestly. But it's it's been some time now, so for me to remember, obviously, it's not going well. So yeah, it looks like they did August 8th, 9th, 10th, then the 15th were the semifinals, or no, the quarterfinals, right? And then I think on the last night, yeah, they did the quarterfinals, on the 15th and on the 29th, the semifinals and the finals on the same night. Got it. 
So the first two rounds were just over three nights. So they're adding an extra night, basically. Okay. Yeah, it should be, you know, and it's good to have these Corican Hall shows, you know, more often for Tokyo Joshi because it gives them something, you know, to sort of aim for, for something like this, where you can say, oh, now the, the finals of this is a big deal, you know, being at Corican Hall instead of, you know, wherever, you know, Shinjuku Face or Shinkiba or wherever it, it happens to be or has happened to be in the past. You know, it's good to have a Corican Hall to sort of have enable you to to make these a bigger these you know tournaments and these matches a bigger deal. Yeah, I agree. No, it's exciting. It feels like it feels like we're getting more shows from Tokyo Joshi Pro that you can really sink your teeth into and that are really important. You got to watch them, and I feel like they're not just doing it to do it. They're living up to it. They are putting together cards that are uh, that are worthy they're building up stories that are like okay i want to tune in and watch you know this corkland hall show every month or whatever okay let's get into the show it kicked off with marika kobashi and sena shiori uh defeating arisu indo and mocha miyamoto uh sena submitted mocha i thought it was a single leg crab but mr hakusan said that it was a single leg crab and an arm bar of some sort? Yeah, I believe it's a new, uh, a debuting uh, finisher or, you know, submission for her. And and it was her first win, Sena Shiori's first win in Tokyo Joshi Pro. It's a big deal, you know, in this opening match, uh, you know, looked in many ways like many of these opening matches do on these Tokyo Joshi shows, especially on these bigger shows when they just get some of the younger wrestlers in. Uh, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was fairly you know, all right. There were some moments when they uh, clearly sort of got lost in what they were trying to do. But, you know, four of the younger wrestlers on the roster, that will happen sometimes. And so, you know, I thought it was a, a nice uh, little fun match. I agree. It was a nice time to see uh, Sena get a get a win. I feel like she's coming into her own. Uh, so yeah, I mean, overall, I just kind of enjoyed it. It's a good little opener, basically. All right, then we had uh, Miyu Watanabe, Raku, and Pam Harajuku defeating Harunaneko, Mahiro Kiru, and Yunamanase. Uh, new gear for Pom. Uh, Raku pinned Nako with the full course finish. Yeah, another one, you know, not too much to say. I did like Palm's new gear, Aaron. I don't know if. Oh, if well, that's it interesting. Was. Did you not like it? No, I loved it. But someone pointed out to me that it was eerily similar to Ari Sousa's gear. No, that's not true. <laughs> no, 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 no. You no, hate it. No, that was gear no, that you no. hate it. No, but it's not similar. It's only similar in that it has the sort of tartan. But Ari Sousa's gear looked like she was like a schoolgirl dress. This was not because Palm has the hat. It's much more sort of, I don't know. I saw it much more sort of like a bagpipe uh, player sort of, what do you call those people? Bagpipists? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Bagpiper? Know. Um, they, uh, well, Mr. Hakusan uh, tweeted out uh, band, an 80s band called The Checkers. Uh, Hakusan called them 
an 80s band and fashion icons and their their getup looked very similar to what uh palm was wearing so uh, he believes that uh, she must be a big fan of theirs i can't believe you snuck up on me with an so <laughs> i can't believe you would do that to me well i have to shout out a friend of the show thoros who actually uh, made the joke to me of like Oh wow, you know she they she looks really a lot like uh, Ari Susa and Taylor hated that that get up. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get Taylor with this. So it really worked out perfectly that you were like, oh, I really liked this. <laughs> yeah, but I thought it looked. Uh, you know, do we do we know if it's a permanent or is she gonna switch between? Do we know? I don't think we know at all. Okay, well, I guess we'll have to find out. But other than that. You know, another solid match. I was happy to see Yuna, um, you know, who seems to come in and out, which is great for them when they need, you know, someone. But other than that, not too much uh, to say about the match itself. And if anyone doesn't remember, Ari Suso was like in those early stardom shows that we talked about uh, when there was no other wrestling happening. Yeah, and if you don't remember that, you can go back in the archives and listen to those shows. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, I mean, this kind of, they basically mix and match a few people uh, every show in this spot with like this six-woman tag, and it was pretty similar to all the other ones. So it was, I mean, it was enjoyable. Uh, then we got into uh, the business end of the card with Miyu Yamashita defeating Hikari Noah. Um I thought this was quite good. I thought it was I thought it was really great, you know, a short you know, not not too long of a match, but I thought it was really good. Of course, Miyu is very good, always looks good. I thought Hikari Noah looked great. She threw some great suplexes. She had um in about the middle of the match, she had that pinning sort of combination. I think she pulled out uh the last supper, I believe was one of them, which I was very impressed by. Um, and I loved the finish. It looked really great. It looked so great that actually I, I rewound and I watched it again um, with Miyu uh, delivering the skull kick, which which ended up looking great. So I thought it was one where, you know, obviously we know why Miyu won for later in the show, but I thought both of them came out looking better, especially Akari No, who has really gotten, you know, Tokyo Joshi has gotten behind her in the last few weeks, and I think that she has has delivered for them. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Uh, it's interesting. Yes, yeah, she did pull out uh, the Last Supper, which you know I just want to say you know that's a that's a finisher. You know nobody should kick out of the Last Supper. IMO. Um, but it's like first about Hikari Noah. Like I'm enjoying this. Uh, singles run that she's on like a, and it feels like she's getting close you know to like breaking through uh which is good you got Miyu staying strong um I was trying to look back I was thinking about you know how she's been booked since she lost uh the title and I was looking at all her singles matches since then and if I'm not mistaken since she lost the title she has only lost to Yuki Aino in uh, the Spring Beautiful One Day Tournament, and then and that was a, um, you know, just like a, a, well, it was a one day tournament. It's right in the name. Uh, she lost to Chris Brooks. I don't really think that counts. 
and she lost to Shoko Nakajima in the Princess Cup last year. So she's been very booked very strongly in singles matches since then. And of course, as you mentioned, you know we're going to see later that she's going to uh, challenge for the title again. But I think they've done a good job of separating her from the title picture while also making her feel important and still uh, feeling strong. Didn't she lose to, was that a singles match? Did she lose to Ito right before the January 4th? That was a, that was a tag match. Oh, okay. Then I remember that. Cause I thought the whole thing was that they were going to have a match and then they announced it was some fan voted something and it was announced. It was like, Oh, Yamashita against Ito. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. They're doing a singles match right before they have another singles match. But it made sense because I think at that match was when Ito debuted the Ito special, which is what she won with. And then Miyu obviously got the win back at the um, Corkin. But anyway, so they went to a draw on December 19. And then they wrestled again in a best two out of three falls, but it was Kiru. Makiido, Rika Tatsumi, and Kamiyu versus the Bakaretsu sisters, uh, Yamashita and Yuka Sakazaki. So I think that is the the match okay. in which Ido yeah. got a pinfall on her. Yeah, so I have them flipped I, in my mind. But yeah, I mean, your point still stands that she has been, you know, well booked, but she doesn't feel like she's dominated the company. I mean, she doesn't feel out of place, you know, being third here and still winning. And it doesn't feel, you know, as I said, Akari Noah has been getting this push, but it doesn't feel like the company is shoving her. It feels like they're sort of bringing her along sort of very naturally. It'd be easy just to say, okay, now you're going to move up and be at the top of the card in, you know, two weeks. But she's continually growing. You know, she's not winning um, the match is quite yet, but that will be the next step as she, you know, continues to move up slowly. And that's, I think, um, a skill that Tokyo Joshi, um, the booking has, but also that they're able to do that because they have a number of talented people at the top of the card. They don't need to go a hundred miles an hour and get someone at the top of the card. It's not an emergency, you know, so they can do this and really, bring her along and build her up really well. Yeah, it's also, they, you know, it's a good job of having a, a nice hierarchy in the promotion because even though Miyu hasn't dominated, she's been away from the title, and Noah appears to be on this push upward, I felt like I knew going in that Miyu Yamashita was going to win the match, right? I would have been stunned if Hikari Noah pinned her in a singles match. So I still think it's it's booked so well from that perspective that uh, you have a good sense of like who should win a match. And that's why it's so exciting when like Rika Tatsumi won the title when, when nobody expected it. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, totally. You know, they have done, I mean, it really has been as we, you know, talked about earlier and have talked about, they have really done a lot of things right over the past X number of months, a combination of having the people and also, you know, booking them, booking them well and you know hopefully that continues in the future and they're able to bring some of these sort you know obviously endo just started a few months ago but you know eventually that'll be an endo thing or maybe a palm harajuku thing or a senna shiori 
you know, and they've shown that they can develop these people from sort of the, the opening of the card into bigger wrestlers to fill the slots that they need. Hmm. I know, I know some other promotions who could benefit from similar, <laughs> similar styles. Uh, okay. Next up, we had B-Star, Mirai Mayumi and Suzume defeating uh, the Magical Sugar Rabbits, Mizuki and Yuka Zakazaki, and the team of Hyper Misao and Shoko Nakajima. And uh, Mayumi pinned Shoko in a, a pretty big surprise, like kind of what we were just talking about of the hierarchy, like a pretty big surprise that Mayumi would get a pin on a former Princess of Princess champion. Yeah, and really blasted her with uh, the lariat, which continues <laughs> to look really good because she hit that one on Aja Kong. Now she didn't knock her over, but she hit that great lariat. She hit another great lariat here. I mean, it looks really good. Um, and my thoughts are, I I can't believe that this is the company's first three-way tag match because I thought that it was perfectly suited for the talent for the sort of style of Tokyo Joshi in that it really enabled all six of these wrestlers to really put their best foot forward. There was not a lot of downtime in the match where people could come in. They could do the stuff that looked really great. You know, the Lariat one big example, but they didn't have to stay in there and really hold the match for you know, eight minutes of time or however long that they could come in, do the stuff that looked really great, get out. Someone else would come in. There was a lot of different combinations going on. So I thought it was a really strong match and I hope they do more of these because I thought it made all six look really great. I went four stars because it really shocked me. I went in sort of thinking, okay, they're going to sort of do this match and the winner's probably going to challenge for the tag titles. And it ended up really taking me by surprise. It's also fun because if you look at this match before the show, you got two teams. I mean, the obviously the Mizuki Yukisakazaki team is like a big team. And then the Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima team also feels at least bigger than uh, the B-Star team. So you would expect one of those teams to win. Of course, when we see what happens later, I think it makes the most sense for the B-Star team to win here. Uh, but I was, I mean, I was pretty shocked by the finish, honestly. Yeah, I th- I think what you said about it did sort of give the, it made sense in going hand in hand with the tag title match in that the other two teams, if you're going to have new champions, are not really the type of teams you would really want for a first defense you know, Magical Sugar Rabbits are maybe, you know, in the conversation for one of the best Tokyo Joshi tag teams. And Masao and Nakajima are two big names. So you think, okay, who is going to, you know, be able to have an exciting, a good first defense, but not be someone who's going to be so favored that they look bad if they lose. And I think B-Star fits that very well. Um, Mirai Mayumi continues to get better and better. I'm glad to see her get an opportunity for a tag uh, title match because I think it will be really good. I'm really excited to see the Mayumi, uh, May Sam Michelle interactions because I think that would be uh, very fun. So overall, you know, I think it was good. Makes, uh, really gives B-Star a boost and um, builds right into that 
Corkin, which is just in a, in a few weeks, very short amount of time. Then we had the International Princess title match with the champion, Yuki Kamafuku, uh, retaining by defeating now Kakuta with the Famouser. Um, this, they really had a few sketchy parts in the match, I thought, where they kind of got lost. Uh, but it really got going toward the end, I thought, uh, and hit a nice... They peaked the match very well. Like, it ended when it should have. Uh, and it was just... I was talking with some people earlier this week about like, well, what is Camille's like in ring level? And they were saying, well, she's, she's good enough, which I think is true, but I think it sells her short a little bit. Uh, so I was a little disappointed that this didn't kind of hit on all cylinders, but by the end, they certainly figured out what they wanted to do and it was good. Yeah. I think this out of, I mean, excluding the first two matches, which are always sort of the younger wrestlers and you don't expect too much. This is really the one place where, as I was talking about before, you think, okay, you know, this company's come a long way in terms of in-ring. They're not quite there yet. I didn't think this was bad, but it just sort of went and then it ended. And I was sort of like, "Mm, that was, you know, that was all right. I think Kamifuku is good. I think that she's still, though, at a stage in her... Um, in in her career in ring wise where she greatly benefits from someone a little bit more experienced who can sort of go with her and lift her up as opposed to someone sort of on her same level or maybe slightly below. Um, so I thought overall it was fine. It didn't really at any point grab me all that much. I don't know that I really expected a title change. Um, at any point. So probably this was for me, at least in the top, you know, the sort of quote unquote business end of the card. I think this was probably the weakest match for me. I think that's fair. Uh, Next up, we had a match. uh, I know I was looking forward to with the uh, tag titles on the line and the Neo Bishiki Gun, Saki Sama and Mei San Michelle team uh, won. They defeated the Bakuretsu sisters uh, they are the new champions. I said I said when we were previewing this on the uh, last episode, I said don't bet against Neo Bishiki Goon when it comes to these tag title matches. And here they are winning the tag titles, which I'm excited for. Um, you know, we've talked about in the past, Mesam Michelle and Saki-sama are both very good. This match, I thought it was good. I It wasn't quite up to the expectations I had. Um, especially with uh, Mason Michelle, I had a little bit, you know, sort of outsized expectations. It didn't quite, m- the match didn't quite meet, but I still thought it was very good. Um, I loved the uh, the bulldog on the outside to Saki Sama. I thought that looked really great. And I liked the sort of story of the end of the match of Mason Michelle sort of being left alone with Saki Sama out on the outside of the ring and having to. Um, pull out the roll-up to to win. So overall, a, a solid, good match, but didn't blow me away like I thought it might. Uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with that, although I know I've been kind of low on Bakaretsu Sisters generally, but I love uh, this Niobe Shikigun team. Uh, it was fun to see May get the win, you know, and win the titles for her team. thought that was great. Uh, but it also just had, it was built up in a way that it had that thing uh, down the stretch where 
you are grabbed by the changes in momentum because you really don't know who's going to win. Like I think we both expected uh, Neo Bishikigun to win, but you you still you could obviously see Bakuretsu sisters winning. There's certainly been matches before where I thought they might lose and they didn't. So it really was able to grab me and uh, make me, uh, you know, really focus in on the near falls to see uh, who was going to win. So I was very invested in the closing stretch and enjoyed it quite a bit. And after the match, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, and I was just going to say, it's sort of an interesting story to, you know, put a pin in, in terms of May Saint Michel getting the victory without Saki-sama, Saki-sama on the outside. You know, these sort of Neo-Bishiki-gun stories, at least in recent um, months and years, have sort of been about Saki-sama, of course, is the leader of the group, and she, you know, is the is the one A, and then she has these, you know, lower people, which is obviously in this case May Saint Michel. But maybe that this is a story going forward, or it's something they come back to, where May Saint Michel says, "Well, I was the one who won, you know, the tag titles." I don't know if this continues to be a story where May Saint Michel maybe wins, keeps winning without the assistance of Saki Sama, and that's a breakaway because I think eventually. Or I would imagine that at some point that Tokyo Joshi might be interested in having Mei Saruga um, in the promotion with her sort of uh, personality and things like that. And so that the Neo Bishikigun is a good way to introduce her and sort of associate her with someone who is very well known in the promotion before eventually sort of giving her the storyline and breaking her free. Maybe that doesn't happen, but that was just something I thought of you know, as the match was ending, I thought, oh, this might be an interesting story for them to return to in the future. Yeah, I think that's a great point and certainly something that uh, would be fun, like a, a May versus Sakisama match uh, is interesting to me. I'd, I'd be interested in that. Uh, after the match, we got our first challengers for the new champions as the B-Star team of uh, Mirai Mayumi and Suzume came out to challenge. Yeah, and I'm... Uh... It's a match I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing how, you know, B-Star, a big opportunity, how they perform. And like I said, uh, May San Michel and Saki Sama, very talented team. So I think that that's a match that could definitely surprise, especially people who maybe are coming in, um, just looking at the card and trying to identify sort of the well-known names, the Sakazakis, the Yamashitas, the, you know, Saki Samas. That, that, that they could really surprise. I think uh, Mirai Mayumi gets better every time I see her. So very excited uh, to see how that match goes. So Neo Bishikigun are the new champions. And if you want to feel like a champion, I've got good news for you. Support for Jumping Bomb Audio is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. You feel like a champion. After you've used uh, the Manscaped products, you just head over to manscaped.com. Uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code JUMP, that's J-U-M-P, at manscaped.com. Uh, you can get the Perfect Package 3.0, like Manscaped sent to uh, Taylor and me. There's a lot of good stuff in there, including the Lawnmower 3.0, what they've termed the best ball hair trimmer ever. Well, you can only find out by uh, giving it a try. It's got a ceramic blade that will reduce grooming accidents. Uh, no cuts. From the Lawnmower 3.0. You'll feel confident when you're shaving. It also has an LED light on there, so you'll get uh, a nice, precise shave. You can feel confident about 
Uh, not only that you won't cut yourself, but that you're uh, getting everything that you want to. Uh, also in that you can get uh, the crop preserver that comes with the perfect package 3.0. Uh, it's a nice anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Uh, I use it. I highly recommend it. It uh, gives a nice smell uh, if you uh, are worried about that. And it helps with the chafing, which I think is is most important. If, you know, COVID has maybe perhaps had us all put a few extra pounds on. So if you your legs are uh, rubbing up against each other, you need some anti-chafe mechanism. So head over to manscaped.com. Use the code JUMP, J-U-M-P. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. And your balls will thank you. All right. The title match on the show, the Princess of Princess title match, uh, Rika Tatsumi, the White Dragon, retained her title, defeating Maki Ito in, I would say, uh, what was my favorite match of the show. Yeah, I don't know. It was very close. It was probably neck and neck with the uh, three-way tag for me. I went four stars on both of them. So sort of, you know, either or a match I thought was really, I thought it was a really strong match. I thought they both looked good. Um, I did, Aaron, you watched the show live. I watched it the next day and I was, um, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things where I'm like, well, I haven't read any spoilers, but I also hadn't seen anyone say like, oh, you know, like in a U.S. wrestling discussion or something, say, oh, Maki Ito is a champion now. Maybe she'll come back to AEW as the champion and defend the title. So it's one of those things where you sort of think, you you know, you go, well, I haven't heard anything, so that means she probably didn't win, but I didn't know. You know, so I don't know if that maybe put a little bit of damper on the match where I was thinking, well, I don't think Maki won. And I, I think by the time I got to the match, in my mind, I didn't really see her winning you know, the whole thing with we talked about they're doing English commentary on uh, May 4th. And the whole thing was, well, are, you know, Tokyo Joshi trying to capitalize on this AEW momentum. But you would think if they were trying to do that, they might have put English commentary on this show to say, hey, AEW fans, come watch Maki Ito. And we've got English commentary, but they're not doing it till the next show. So it all just seemed to me to point towards Rika. Uh, retaining, which she did in a match that I thought um, was very good and really showed off the strengths of uh, both the both the wrestlers. Yeah, it felt like early on, I was worried that it was obvious that Ito was going to lose because the match kicked off with a long segment of Maki Ito getting heat on Rika Tatsumi. It's like, oh, they're going to do this and then have the uh, the comeback and, and Rika's going to win. But I thought they did a really good job the rest of the match of kind of messing with your expectations and kind of going back and forth. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Maki had a little bit of a, of a comeback in a weird way, uh, even though, you know, Rika's definitely the I mean, <laughs> as we talked about before, there's sometimes not a clear uh, babyface heel dynamic. But Rika's obviously like a, a babyface uh, character and Ito is a different sort of babyface character for sure. But they did a good job of, of messing with the expectations, I thought. Um, I definitely, I just thought, you know, we talked about on last episode, you know, the different reasons why it would make sense for Ito to win. Uh, but, I mean, somebody asked me literally right before the show started, and I, I said I uh, thought that Rika was going to win. I just, 
it didn't feel like the right time for Ito. As I said on the earlier show, I feel like there's still some some road bumps for her to get over before she can uh, be the champion. Or, you know, maybe her character is just not one that's ever going to be the champion. I think that's also a possibility, but she certainly has some other things to overcome uh, before she should get there. I thought an important part of this match was it more than, okay, she beat uh, Rika, beat Miyu Watanabe. Like that's not a hugely like impressive uh, victory. I thought this legitimized Rika as champion more. Obviously, Ito is an important character, but they also, even though it was kind of funny, they put over that Rika's butt, her hip attack, was stronger than Ito's head. And Ito has, you know, famously uh, the hardest head in the world. So uh, the whole story of the match, I think, helped to legitimize uh, Tatsumi and also just to prove to any any doubters that uh, she's quite good. I mean, this was a, a very good match. So all in all, I thought it accomplished everything it needed to, and it was a good match. Yeah, I think if you look at sort of Ito's um, storyline or what's happened to her, sort of what, you know, everything that's gone into her character in isolation, taking out, you know, the fact that she was in AEW, that people seem to like her or any of that stuff, and you just sort of focus on the universe, the quote-unquote universe of Tokyo Joshi, it didn't seem like the time for her to become champion. Now that doesn't disclude someone saying, oh, let's, you know, get some conversation going about this and make Ito our champion because people know her. That doesn't discount that, but it doesn't seem like Tokyo Joshi is that sort of company to do that. Um, I certainly can't really think of anything in the past that I would point to and say, well, this, they were trying to, you know, change the title to get some buzz. Um, you know, doesn't, it doesn't seem like that's the way that they are trying to get to grow the fan base. And I have a feeling with Ito's story that you are right that maybe she never wins the title, but I think if she is sort of gearing towards winning the title, I think there's going to be a moment or maybe a match or something where I think for the audience, it's going to be very clear that this is the time and she's going to get the title match. And I have a feeling people are going to say, this is it. Whatever that is, whether she gets a big win somewhere, or she gets a series of wins or whatever it is. I have a feeling it's going to be very clear that this is the story moving to the next step. And that next step is Ito winning the big match. And this certainly didn't feel like that was, that was the story in this match. So to me, that's why I was sort of like, Oh, I don't think Ito wins, but you know, regardless of that, I thought it was a strong match, a strong cap to the show. And in terms of sort of legitimizing, you know, Tatsumi's uh, title reign, I think her next defense uh, which we can talk about with me Yamashita coming out at the end is really the thing, you know, we talk about, well, she can wrestle all these people and it legitimizes this, but if you wrestle Yamashita and beat her, that really is one of the big legitimizers in Tokyo Joshi. Uh, yeah, that's, that's massive. And to me, that's the whole point of this challenge, right? I, it wouldn't make any sense to me for Yamashita to just beat Tatsumi now. It makes a lot more sense to me to make Rika feel like a bigger deal because she beats Miyu. 
Yeah, and Yamashita, as we always talk about, is sort of established. You know, we, it's funny we talked about how she's winning all these singles matches. We do talk a lot about how she could probably handle losing matches, and I think this is one that she can lose to sort of solidify Rika at the top, you know, at or near the top of the pecking order in Tokyo Joshi. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, now it feels like this can be, we talked last time about, well, it could be kind of a, a transition, but now it feels more like something that that needs to breathe and could certainly be a, a long-term uh, title reign for Tatsume. So uh, we'll see where it's going as they build to some of their bigger shows uh, later in the year. All right, well, that's Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, and their big show uh, from uh, earlier this week. Well, it was just, what, yesterday at this point or two days ago. So uh, that's that's that. We'll move on to Stardom, who started their Cinderella tournament, uh, but a little different this year because uh, the only the first round happened on April 10th at Corican Hall. Uh, the rest will occur on April 30th back at Corican Hall. Do you have any... Uh, big picture or overall thoughts about this show, Taylor? I thought it was interesting sort of seeing it in this format, this new format of two days. There's sort of a feeling that you always get, or at least I get watching these Cinderella tournaments, that it's sort of a night of chaos. And it sort of did throw me off that it there was still a lot of chaos people, you know, a lot of people eliminated over the top rope, a lot of fighting on the apron, things like that. But it didn't really feel in the way of like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a Cinderella tournament just because it's the first you're so used to seeing people so many times. And there's matches that are, you know, so fast. And most of these matches were um, very short. But a lot of times we've gotten even shorter matches in the Cinderella tournament. So I enjoyed it. Um, but th- there was just a sort of feeling of like, oh, this this is different, even though it's largely just sort of splitting up what they already do. I agree with that completely. And I think what you're saying was the major part of it. But another part was there wasn't a tournament bracket going into the show. So I had no idea. It's like, oh, um, you know, I'm trying to think what was a bigger upset. Like, oh, Rena. Uh, beat Azumi. It's like, okay, well then, but who does Rina go up against next or whatever? And we really didn't know that until later. So that also, I think, made it difficult. Yeah, and there were, you know, it's also sort of hard with these short matches to really look at the matches and say, oh, that was a, you know, ooh, what a great match when the match is only going four minutes or something like that. You know, it's, you know, they are fun and there was a lot of stuff I really liked. I really liked the uh, elimination, for example, in the Micah Konami match with her lifting Konami, Micah lifting Konami over the top rope, uh, which looked really cool. Um, and a lot of always, you know, you get the sort of fun top rope over the top rope craziness, which is, you know, always good. And you get some upsets, um, including sadly for Aaron, uh, the departure of Momo Watanabe in round number one. Um, I liked seeing the uh, Fukigen death. I enjoyed her smoking a fake cigarette while she was pinning Mayu at one point. Um, So overall good, but it's sort of hard to judge on the standards of a usual stardom show where you have matches going 15, 20 minutes and this, the main event going nine minutes and 26 seconds. 
Yeah, and it, as I'm thinking about this, it seems kind of pointless to like go match by match on this. Are there like, is there anything other than what you already said? Is there anything in particular you want to pull out about these first round matches? I mean, the thing that, and it's it's probably because sort of the middle of the show was, but again, the only Oedo Tai member moving on to the second round being Rina was really, I don't know, it's very strange to me that you would think that the, I mean, I feel sort of like we've, we've talked this into the ground, but the, the unit that needs the most help would maybe be able to get, you know, if you, you know, get Konami a win, get Natsukotora a win, you know, they don't have to win the whole tournament, but you'd like to see them, you know, come out and be able to, you know, get a couple wins to reestablish them, especially now that B Priestley is gone and they're sort of down. A member, you know, they gained Fukigen Death, who really is sort of a just sort of bottom bottom of the line, you know, gonna get pinned a lot person. So that was really the thing that most stood out to me. Other than that, there wasn't a ton there weren't a ton of results outside of the Oedo Tai stuff that really I looked at and went, whoa, I would have never predicted, you know, this person to come out. Because for the most part, it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, and you expect some, like, upsets, but they all are over-the-top rope upsets. You don't really see, like, uh, you know, you weren't going to see Rena pin Azumi or whatever, you know. So a few matches, though, that I enjoyed, um, you know, above the others. Micah and Konami. I just, I don't know. It was cool. Konami was focusing on the arm and shoulder, but Micah was able to survive it. And then um, did a pretty cool uh, suplex on the apron to to throw over the top rope. That was just like one of the matches that uh, stood out to me. Um, Okay, Julia versus Ruaka stood out to me because uh, Ruaka is still very bad. And it was fun to see, you know, one of, if not the best people in the promotion against someone who's very bad in a singles match. And you could see all the stuff that Ruaka was, I'm sorry, that Julia was doing to try to make the match look good, to try to sell for Ruaka and try to get Ruaka over as like a monster. You know, she was like bumping really hard for her, but Ruaka like could not do what she needed to do to make it work. And so it was just like a very illustrative match like you could show to somebody who doesn't understand pro wrestling like what that doesn't understand like what how the wrestlers are doing certain things to try to uh, help the other person and uh, you would have learned a lot by watching that match i think yeah but- also Julia had these like really funny military patches on her fans <laughs> like one said iraqi freedom vet <laughs> i wonder where she got those very funny Maybe just goes into a store and says, "Oh, I need patches," and they're like, "Here you go. Here's what we here's what yeah. we have." One was like a POWMIA <laughs> patch. Uh, yeah, good stuff. But overall, I thought it was a I thought it was a fun enough show. You know, there was nothing where I was like, "Oh God." I mean, with this, it's very hard to you know have a match where you're like, "Oh, wrap it up," because most of the matches they start and they're o- you're like, "Okay, we're getting into it," and then they're over. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I thought. Mina Shirakawa proved again that that she's good, actually. Um, and 
the bum the biggest bummer for me was probably the Sai Kamitani and Tom Nakano match because I thought it was a lot of fun, uh, but it ended uh, pretty quickly. Even compared to the matches around it, it ended pretty quickly. Uh, I had a cool finish though. So uh, with uh, Saya doing the Hurricanrana over the top. Anyway, that's the first round basically of the Cinderella tournament. Uh, very easy watch uh, if you haven't checked it out yet. Uh, but let's kind of seg from that into the second round and finals. It's a weird bracket that I don't quite understand because not everybody has. In fact, there's only two second round matches. I tried to make sense of this on the Stardom's Japanese Twitter account, but I guess is is it just the number of people who are in the tournament? Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like the tournaments that Tokyo Joshi does where there's like 18 people. I think there's 20 in the tournament. I think they started with... Yeah, there are 20. They started with 20, and so that's just a weird number where some people have to have more matches in order to make it. Because it would be 16 would go, would be everyone would have the same number of matches. So then you add four people in the first round, and it doesn't quite it doesn't quite line up. Yeah, I would have I would have simply just taken four people out of the tournament <laughs> personally. Uh also strange, usually, and maybe we'll see this on the second show, but you usually see a couple of uh either double eliminations or or draws or something that that makes for some weirdness. But I guess the weirdness was more in how the tournament was set up to begin with. So only two second round matches. We'll have um Shuri versus Utami. And the winner will face uh, Unagi, who beat Natsuko Tara in the first round. And then uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Rina. And the winner will face Himeka. Any thoughts on those matchups? So I think that Shuri beats Utami. Because I, I think my thought is that Shuri is clearly going to probably get a title shot at some point. I don't know that she gets it from this, but... At this point here, if you have her beat Utami, she then, even without winning the tournament, has some sort of claim to say, well, I beat you in the Cinderella tournament. So maybe it's a thing where the winner of the tournament faces Utami, Utami beats them, and Siri comes out and says, well, I beat you in the Cinderella tournament. She's the next uh, title defense, and maybe the title defense after that is Julia, because then that gives you um you know three months or so you know that gives you the next three months of title defenses and then you maybe have another month where you don't have to pull the julia trigger for a little bit for a little bit longer especially while julia is holding the tag titles with shiri and then i would assume i would assume mayu beats rena but I would have assumed Rena wouldn't have won her first match. So um, the safe bet sort of is Mayu, but I guess there could be an upset. Then there's two quarterfinals matches that are already set. Uh, Julia versus Micah and Starlight Kid versus Sayakami Tani. Uh, is there a chance that they just fake us here and Julia just wins the whole thing again? I mean, they certainly could. It's It would strike me as too soon to 
to do <laughs> to do that, but um, I mean, they they certainly could. I I would think that you're at the point now where you've got some leeway with beating Julia, because obviously if you're building her back up to face Utami and she wins there, then you won't have any wiggle room because she'll be, I mean, you will have some, but she'll be the champion. So you would think that maybe they could give Micah a boost and, you know, have her win this, but I guess Julia could, could win. It's not, it's not what I would do, but you know, you can't put it past them to, to do that. And so basically the, the semifinals will line up like this. You're either going to have Unagi, Shuri, or Utami versus Julia or Mika, And then you're going to have either Mayu, Rina, or Himeka versus Starlight Kid or uh, Tall Saya. Do you, do you want to go out on a limb now, Taylor, based on uh, everything we know of your, your finalists and your ultimate winner? So you want my two finalists or you want the final four and then in into that? Yeah, let's do final four. That sounds fun. Let's do final four and your and your winner. Okay, this is interesting. So final four, I think it's gonna be Shuri against Micah. And then I think it's going to be Himika against hmm, Himika against Saya Kamatani. And then the final two, I think, is going to be Suri against Himika. And I think Himika wins. Interesting. Is that how I feel? <laughs> is that how I feel? I mean, I think the real contenders are Micah, Himika, Suri. And like and like you said, maybe they just go with Julia and they're like, Julia's back again. But that would be sort of a distant fourth for me. But it's something we've talked about where obviously Shuri is, I think, a little bit above Himika and Micah. But I have a hard time distinguishing what the plan is for Himika and Micah, whether they see one of them. It seems like they're more in on Micah. Um. But Himika has at times been higher than Micah, you know, sort of booking wise. So, yeah, it's hard to tell. What do you, what are your, what do you think? Well, I was looking at when you mentioned Shuri and Micah, which I like that idea. I was looking at their history and in stardom, they've wrestled one time and Shuri won in the five star last year. Uh, but they also wrestled once in Just Tap Out, and Shuri beat her there. So is it time for Micah to beat Shuri, or is it something we can like build up more where Shuri beats her several times, and then Micah you know, finally figures it out uh, and, and wins? Uh, but am I crazy for thinking, like they did this whole match series, the eight-match, seven-match series with Unagi where she lost all of them. Am I crazy for thinking maybe they want to run a little bit with Unagi in this tournament? Uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, she did win her first match now, win, you know, sort of quote unquote win. She did win, but it was over the top rope. I just don't know that I see her going over, you know, 
she she won the first round, but she doesn't have anything to me that says, okay, they're going to get behind her and think, okay, she's going to be, you know, at the top. If there was someone from Cosmic Angels besides Tom, it would be, in my mind, it would be Mina, who I also think is very good. So I just don't know. I think that they sort of gave her a nice win to be like, oh, she's getting better. And now, you know, I don't see her really beating. I mean, Utami and Shuri are either one. You're talking about probably a top five member of the roster. And I just don't think Unagi's at that point yet. I just think, as we talked about on the last show, I feel like I've said that a hundred times on this show, so I apologize. Uh, But truly, as we talked about on the last show, the Cinderella tournament is usually to like boost someone who's not quite at the top yet. And I feel like they already book Shuri very strongly. She's already had title shots. You know, she wrestled for the red belt on like one of their big shows. So I don't know that she, that she needs to win this. Um, and I don't think I agree with you that they're not as behind Himika as um as I would be or as you would expect. Uh Saya Kamitani's just recently had a big red belt match. Uh so I could see Micah versus Shuri. I can see Himika versus I could see either Kid or Tall Sai really. I think either of those works. Uh but I think I'm in on Micah winning the whole thing. Unless I guess they could be also I mean looking at it now they could also be booking towards Himika versus Julia and Himika beats Julia as sort of a return of the tag title match that Julia and Shuri won against Himika and Micah. Maybe that's the story and maybe you use Julia, get her to the finals and have her lose to someone to give them a big sort of an additional boost besides winning the tournament to beat, you know, Julia as well as part of sort of that last step. Um, But, you know, I can see a lot of situations. There's people who, like you said, you can eliminate, you know, Sayakama. It's probably not Sayakama Tana. She just had a title opportunity. Starlight Kid seems unlikely. Mayu, it doesn't seem likely that they would give her another title shot. Um, Rina, you know. hmm. So you're really looking at these. I mean, you're really looking at the the, uh, Donna Del Mundo members which continues to be fascinating because they seem like the the members who are most sort of taken care of um in stardom and it, it's going to be interesting to watch going forward what happens with that group what happens with other groups because it feels like they really have the company behind them um and i think part of that is sort of at the expense of some of the other groups in the company and now you you know you're sort of making you know, it's like, well, you're you're maybe making one or two new stars, but maybe at the expense of four or five other people who could probably use the help and and are already pretty close. You know, Oedo Tai, I don't I don't know if they're in that conversation, but I think that they have really been hurt. Part of their whole thing is they've been hurt by Donna Del Mundo coming in, who sort of has a very similar, you know, I think they're less heel than Oedo Tai sort of is seen as, you know, usually, but I think they occupy that space of sort of, oh, you know, very cool. You know, a lot of the talk 
in years past was always about Oedo Tai. They're doing the dance. They're so cool. They're looking cool. And now a lot of that conversation is around Donna Del Mundo. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting things and, you know, it will be interesting to see, I think all of these matches, the outcome of all of these matches are going to tell us uh, a lot about all these wrestlers. I don't know. Mundo should get a dance is basically what I'm saying. Look, you know, my thoughts on dances, everyone should get a dance. <laughs> all right. Well, that is the Cinderella tournament kind of unfocused, but we don't know much about what the rest of the uh, tournament's going to look like. I'm looking forward to it, though, because as we just discussed, there's a lot up in the air and a lot to be decided about, like what the rest of the year for stardom is going to look like and, you know, what direction they're going to go in. So uh, I'm they've got me intrigued. I mean, I think a lot of the last several Cinderella tournaments, other than the one when uh, Arisa won, you had a pretty good idea of who was going to win. And they generally did. Usually the big surprise is usually the other finalists. You know, they kind of get uh up there and maybe you didn't anticipate it. Uh, so I'm excited. We'll get to see somebody else. Hopefully, hopefully somebody else get a shot, uh, and see, uh, who the company plans to go with. So, well, I was going to say that's it for stardom talk, but I think, uh, the first thing we're going to talk about in the spark notes section is, uh, they ran on April 17th. Big news out of that. Uh, Julia and Shuri, went to a time limit draw with the Momo Oz team of Momo Watanabe and Azumi. Uh, and that led to Julia challenging Momo Oz for the tag titles. So I guess they will have a, a tag title match soon. Yeah. Another, um, I have to say I have gone on a rant on this program about time limit draws, but I think this one actually makes sense. It leads directly to the challenge of uh, Julia challenging Momo and Azumi for the titles and Momo said any time. So we will see uh, if they wait um, for a big show for that, or maybe that is, I think they have a Corican right after their golden week stuff ends. Um, I think it's the week after. So maybe it will be, maybe it'll be the top match on that Corican. Don't know yet, but um we will see. And going back to Tokyo Joshi, Aaron, I don't know if you watch either of these, but Tokyo Joshi has launched an all-English show um, that will happen Wednesdays and Sundays. They're very short shows. Both shows lasted just under 20 minutes, I believe. They're one match, um, and everything is in English. They have Chris Brooks and Balianaki doing the commentary. Um, they uh, try to get all the wrestlers as well as they can um, to speak, to make English promos before the matches. All the ring announcements are in English. So it's a really fun, uh, good way. If you haven't gotten into Tokyo Joshi, um, if it's a bit overwhelming, this is a really great way to get into it because they're short shows. They're one match uh, with the English commentary. The first show was a tag match. Uh, Mirai Mayumi and Miyu Watanabe against Akari Noah and Sena Shiori. And the second show was Maki Ito and Palm Harajuku. Um, and as I said, that will continue going forward. That's JP All English Show on Wednesdays. Wednesdays and Sundays at 10 p.m. So Wednesdays actually will be right as AEW Dynamite is coming to an end. So if you uh, watch that program and you want more wrestling, you can just go right over to Wrestle Universe 
and get a little uh, bit of a bonus. Um, Ice Ribbon, the uh, March 27th Corican show finally aired on Samurai on the 7th of April. This feels at this point like uh, the world has moved on, but I did watch that show. Um, fun show. I recommend the Suzu Suzuki uh, hardcore match, and the main event is good. Uh, probably not their best um, Corican effort of the year, but still very strong, a great promotion. And as we'll talk about in a second, they have another Corican coming up very soon, which we hopefully will uh, be lucky enough to cover on the show because I think. Ice Ribbon is having a great, uh, really strong year. Um, their Peas League at the Peas Party shows are coming um, to an end. So there's a lot of closeness in the brackets. But as we will talk about on the upcoming shows, they have one more show with the sort of win or go home matches, which we'll talk about as that comes to an end. And then their big show in Skip City. Risa Sarah retained the Fantast Ice title against Tekla and Maya Yukihi and Mika Ozaki retained the tag titles against the Dropkickers, Tsukushi and Tsukasa Fujimoto. Um, Diana had a dojo show that was on YouTube, their usual dojo show, on the 11th. And today they are having their 10th anniversary show. I haven't seen any results for that. I don't know if it's airing anywhere. Um, I would assume, or I would hope, or I would wish, or I would pray that it will air because it looked like a fun show. Uh, but we'll see when that happens. Um, Marvelous had one show on the 8th of April. The big news from there, Dash Chizako and Hibiki had their long-awaited singles match. That ended in a double countout and will lead to the Gaia show, which we will talk about on the upcoming shows. Uh, Choco Pro reached the end of season six uh, today um, at Choco Pro 108, which had the best bros against Psycho and Chango for the Asia Dream tag titles. They've been doing more uh, collaborations with Heat Up. They had another show at the Heat Up Dojo where they managed to uh, sadly or I guess, however you feel about it, break one of the walls of the Heat Up Dojo. They put a big hole in it, um, which was quite amusing, but probably not amusing uh, having to fix it. And then in Pure J, uh, Raideen Hagane defeated Kaori Yonayama to win the open weight title. So Yonayama's uh, reign ends with a, with a very short reign. I was sort of hoping it would be longer because she had promised that any singles match in any company she had would be for that title. Um, but that is no longer. And that's everything that has been going on the last two weeks in uh, Joshi. All right. Well, as you promised, let's talk about what's coming up next and we can start with the Gaia show. Yeah. So probably the biggest show happening in the next two weeks is the Gaia a big show. This was supposed to happen last year and was canceled um, because of all the COVID stuff. Uh, a quite exciting show. Unfortunately, it's not airing until close to the end of May on Gaora. Um, I was hoping maybe it would have a streaming option because I think the show is um, a very strong show and you've got some things on it that I think are going to uh, have big effects on the Joshi scene moving forward. So I'll run down 
the full card here, um, the first match, which is the sort of future match um, on the Sendai girls side, Manami, Eureka, Oka, and Cannon will go against the marvelous side, Meho Shizuki, uh, Makoto Shindo, and Maria. Uh, Shima will be appearing. Um, the man who appears everywhere appearing here for this guy show against Leo Izaka, not a Joshi match, but a match I'm really looking forward to. I think Izaka has always been slightly underrated. I've been sad that he isn't really used more often in other promotions. So a big chance for him. And hopefully um, I think he will deliver a great match. Uh, Sakura Hirota going up against the great Sasuke. So I'm sure that will be uh, a very interesting match with a lot. I'm sure a lot will go on there. Uh, Dash, Chizako, and Hibiki are going to have a hardcore match to settle this um, disagreement. Hibiki always coming after Dash the last couple weeks. So the thing I really like, and we haven't even covered the whole show yet, lots of variety on this show. Um, Whatever you're a fan of, I think you'll get um, a little bit of here on this show. Then they have a sort of Gaia the Past match Chigusa Nagayo, Kaoru, and Sakura Hirota pulling double duty on this show will go up against Meiko Satomura, Chikaya Nagashima, and Toshie Uematsu returning. Um, she had one short match uh, last year in Wave, but has not been seen for quite a while. And then the main event, the big, um, the thing that will affect or hope or I hope will affect uh, Joshi. It will be the marvelous side, Mio Momono, Rin Katakura, and X going against the Sendai Girl side, Chihiro Hashimoto, Mika Iwata, and X. I believe if I've read everything right, that the X's will be wrestlers chosen from the opening, the future match. Um, I'm not sure how they will decide that, um, but but the uh, Marvelous team will choose one of the Marvelous wrestlers. Sendai girls will choose one of the Sendai girls wrestlers. And the winning team will receive the AAAW belts. Those were the belts that were defended um, and part of Gaia Japan. They are returning. Uh, Sendai girls already has, you know, a singles title already has tag titles. So they have said if their side wins, those titles will be put on display in the Sendai Girls Dojo. Marvelous doesn't have any titles. Um, so if they win, they, w- they would most likely become the titles for that promotion. And this match is just to win the rights of the title. So whichever team wins, if the Marvelous team wins, they would then, I would assume have some sort of determining matches in Marvelous itself um, to determine those new champions. But an exciting show, the end of the long road to Gaiaism that both Sendai Girls and Marvelous have been on. Um, it's at Oda War Gymnasium. So looks like it should be a very fun uh, show. All right, then we go to uh, Stardom. On the 24th, they've got Mayu Watani taking on Azumi, which sounds fun. On the 25th, there'll be an artist title match with the Cosmic Angels uh, against Oedo Tai. And then on May 2nd, 
uh, their Golden Week tour will begin. Kind of funny that like Golden Week is going forward, but no fans for the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. And Stardom has a lot, you know. Obviously, the second is is two weeks away, but they've got a, a number of shows as they always do that week for Golden Week. So we'll see, and you know, we'll see if you know it's a usual Golden Week or it feels a little bit different. Um, I know that Stardom they had a number of. You know, in the past, these Golden Week shows have been sort of fun. Um, They've been, you know, produced shows from the different units. That has gone away, unfortunately. Um, So we will see what those shows are like. Having so many shows that are going to be, I assume, um, as of now, sort of more straight-laced shows, whether they have the same feeling or if they feel uh, a little bit different. Uh, Then we have Seedling. On the 26th, they'll have a, a tag title match with Nanai Takahashi and Arisa Nakajima taking on Honore Hana and Riko Kawahata. Yes, and then Tokyo Joshi has uh, shows on the 24th, the 25th, and the 1st. The 25th is actually at Ueno Park, and it is a, a mat show. They will not have a ring, but they will have um, they will wrestle on a mat. Uh, and the two matches announced for that show so far, uh, Mio Watanabe against Moka Miyamoto and Mio Yamashita and Raku against Takari Noah and Arisu Endo. So if you liked the uh, pay-per-view um, show that they did on mats uh, a few months ago, uh, I would say to check that show out, Ueno Park, one of my favorite venues. I always like watching wrestling from there. So excited to see that. Uh, and Ice Ribbon, as I talked about, has the Peas Party Finals coming up. So the way it works is they have two matches. Um, the first match, the A Block, is Itsuki Aoki and Momokogo will go one-on-one. Either If either one of those um, wins the match, they win the block. If it goes to a time limit draw... Momo Kogo would win because she beat it would end up being a three-way tie at five points between Yuki Mashiro, Itsuki Aoki, and Momo Kogo, but Kogo would go on because she beat uh Yuki Mashiro earlier in the tournament. And the B block is going to come down to Satsuki Totoro against Rina Shingaki. Um, and the winner of that match will win the block. If they tie, I don't know what would happen. They would both be tied in first with five points, but I'm assuming that they would probably wrestle um, to a decision there. And then the Corican Hall show coming up on April 24th. Um, it is not on the Samurai schedule as of yet, so I'm hoping it airs live. If that is the case, we will definitely be covering it on the next episode Uh, Suzu Suzuki has her third match of the seven-match trial series um, going up against Masashi Takeda. That match should be really good. Um, Really looking forward to that. If you have not seen Takeda or not a uh, Big Japan watcher, uh, I think he's super talented. And I know that he and Suzuki have had matches in the past, so two opponents who are more familiar with each other. So expecting a lot from that. Uh, Matsuyu Uno will defend her triangle ribbon title against Cherry and Tehanma. 
which should be good. Those three members of the uh, joint army. So that should be a fun stylistic match. Maya Yukihi and Micah Ozaki will defend their tag titles again against Hiroyo Matsumoto and Haragi Karumi. And the main event will be Sukas the Drop Kickers Explode match, Sukasa Fujimoto against Sakushi Haruka for the Infinity title. That one should be very good um, and should add another great match to Fujimoto's very strong year. So that um, is one to definitely look forward to. Should be a very fun show. All right. Well, does that close out all our shows for the next couple of weeks? I think it does. Okay. Well, is uh, there anything else you want to talk about, Taylor? Aaron, I think we covered it all. So we won't be able to talk about uh, Gaia next time. Um, I guess, do we know when that Ice Ribbon Corican Hall is going to air? No. All I know is that it's it's not currently on Samurai, which I, would lead me to believe that they would put it on, you know, either on Nico as they've done in the past or um, Kips. Were they on Kips.fun? I get all these streaming yeah. platforms confused. Well, but they they did li- last time it was not on Samurai. They did live stream it. So that is my fingers crossed hope because um, I would love to be able to cover that show. Well, we'll, we'll talk about um, the Cinderella tournament, but hopefully we'll have something else to talk about on top of that. So. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at JBomb Audio. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Taylor's at Tay Mambo. Subscribe to the show, please. Give us a five star rating and a review. Uh, and if you want to donate to the show, you can do so by going to redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. But another great way to support the show is to head over to Manscaped and use the promo code JUMP, J U M P, to get 20% off and free shipping. It really does help us on the show. Uh, if you uh, buy something with our code, it w- I mean, it'll just make them continue to advertise with us. And uh, that's good for us. So we would appreciate it. Uh, but I guess that's it. So we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye-bye.